0: Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the latest instalment of the Gelsnet weekly podcast hosted by myself, Craig Gray. This is the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans and all of our content is free. You can get us over on Twitter at Gelsnet online and you can also get us over at our website on www.gelsnet.co.uk where you can see the forum and the history archive. Uh, Just before um, I go and start today's podcast, I'd also like to introduce our sponsors. That is Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. And we're absolutely delighted that they're backing up pod. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. And you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge. It's a stunning new hospitality area within historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Um just before I go and introduce my guest today, um so as everyone's aware it's a very sad day um for the club today. Obviously, we would like to be talking about uh the game yesterday St Johnson, which we'll come on to, but um, kind of met with the, the sad news today of the passing of Mr Ronnie McKinnon, um, former Rangers player, great and Hall of Famer. He won three the League, league hospital Scottish Cups and three League Cups, including captain the side in that famous 1971 victory over Celtic, where a certain Derek Johnson scored. I think he was 16 years old at the time, Derek Johnson as well. And that's what that game's fondly remembered for. Um, McKinnon captain the side because John Gregg was injured, and that's not a bad way. To Captain Rangers, is it? He also played in the 1967 Cup Winners' Cup final against Bayern Munich, um, which we lost out on. He never actually played uh, against Inable Moscow in the 1972 final in Barcelona, um, but he was part of the team that got his to that final. His last game for Rangers was actually against Sporting Lisbon, um, that famous tie in which the referee forgot that the new away goals rule existed. And it was a coin toss that won the game. He broke his leg and that was sadly not just the last game of the season, but his last game for the club. Um, as recently as a few days ago um, there was um, a night forum um, at the Lewis and, Um Sky, I believe it is RSC up north and obviously the thoughts and prayers of everyone here at Jailsnet is with Ronnie's immediate family and friends at this very sad time. Um, but as the Beatles song says, life goes on and uh, we've got a game to talk about from yesterday as well. Um Dougie, it's good to be here. Um what's good today, obviously sad news um, With what's happened earlier, but um how you doing?
1: Yeah, lovely words um about a proper Rangers man, Ronnie McKinnon. Um he was ambassador for the Lewis and Harris Rangers Supporters Club, one that I, I am I, a I nearly got it of. Right?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nearly, nearly. Um but no, I'm happy. Unlike Big Alex, I like my, my roast chicken on a Sunday. Um so the wife made a Sunday roast today, so I'm in a, I'm in a jovial mood. Poor Grant, what 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 he's let himself in for with that kind of elite banter, but uh, welcome along, mate. Uh, good to have you on the
0: pod. Yeah, Grant, obviously the viewers will be seeing at a face that they've no seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Grant Mackay. Um it's your jails net debut. Um yep. so we'll go easy on you tonight, don't worry, mate. Um, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, good, good, looking forward to it. Thanks for having us on.
0: Not a problem at all. So yeah, we'll just start with the game um yesterday, me as well. Diggy, um, it wasn't a classic was it, these games at McDermott Park really are um, I know you wanted to touch on the line up there um, there was a few changes um, made from uh, the Celtic game as expected um, Lawrence came in, Yelmaz came in, Ben Davies came in um, R- Lundström came in as well, I think that was the four that I can remember, Danilo as well so there was quite a few changes that were made, um, what was your overall thoughts on the game?
1: Um, on the lineup, there was there was a, an interesting comment from from Michael Beal pre-match that he would be fielding his strongest eleven. <laughs> I think a lot of people looked into that comment, expecting to see um, to see our strongest eleven. I don't think that is our strongest eleven. I think that's a proper Michael Beal comment where he knows in his head what he's thinking, and you can only try and get into the mindset of Michael Beal. Um, I think what he was meaning there is um, a lot of players about to on international duty. Guys are, are coming back, jet lag um tired fatigue all these kind of things i think what he's thinking is that um he's 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 feeling the, the, the guys are the strongest in terms of fitness and, and also we've had that period of two weeks where we've been able to work with some of these players um, and work in a specific system um, so it was obviously notable that there was zero internationalists in the in the team and i think one of the one of the things for me is i'm expecting to see to see signs, you know, I, I think again, Michael Beale made a comment in, in a separate press conference around um, the fans are expecting to see see what his system is. A lot of new players in the team expecting to see um, to see something from from this team, and um, I'm not sure after 90 minutes I'm, I'm any further forward with with what that system looks like. Um, I think that's probably the first thing I've noticed is very evidently playing a four-two-three-one, so probably a very subtle. Um, change information. But the thing for me that just really stands out is um I I just don't think players are playing in our strongest positions, both from the start and, and also from the bench. Um you know you're starting Kamar Roof. Um he started as a number ten to accommodate Kamar Roof. He's then played um Tom Lawrence out wide. We'll come on to the injury of Danilo, but he brings on Sima and he just put Seema like for like on for for, for Danilo and keeps Roof in that number ten position. It's probably no surprise that that certain players came into their own when they started to move around the position. Um I think Seema looked a lot better when he went to right wing when Roof was 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 up front. And I think Tom Lawrence looked night and day when he was playing in that hole right behind the striker as well. So I think eleven was certainly interesting. Um where players were playing in the team was interesting. Um but it was interesting to see Yo Mats and Davies restored to the, the start starting eleven. We'll come on and talk about Yil Mats a wee bit later. But I think I think Davies is a player that's come in for a lot of criticism. He's a player that that a lot of people, including myself, are quite vocal. Um during the summer that we we wanted them out the door. And I think one of the, the main reasons why a lot of people like myself wanted them out the door is um he costs us four million pounds, he's a big earner. I think with the the Austin trusty links, for example, it was always obvious that we would only be able to go out and spend that kind of money on a on a centre back if you moved Ben Davies out of the club. Um, but fair play to him, that's his first first start this season. Um, and I've got to say, I think he done very well. Um, and a stat actually appeared on on Twitter, which which really surprised uh,
0: not me. Not this one, Dougie, Not this one.
1: <laughs> have you seen it? Like, uh, this, this I have,
0: and I, so- I counteracted it straight away. <laughs> and also so that's, that
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to it because um, the stat was 18 times Connor Goldson and Ben Davies have started in a league together and they've won every single one of them. Now, let let me hear your, your counteract. I want I want to hear it.
0: Well, my counter-argument to that is um, I don't think it's that they've won every the game. It's that they're unbeaten um, because one of those games was against Celtic, the two-each draw at Ibrox. So one out of 18 was against Celtic. I suppose that's kind of average. But the stat that I came back with is that they've played Celtic together three times and they've failed to win once. So, you know, it's it's all well and good being able to beat the draws in the league. And the, the thing is, I actually, I don't think Ben Davies is a bad player as such. You know, he's very comfortable against St. Johnson's and whatnot. But you don't pay three, four million quid for a guy that can play a good game up in Perth. Do you know what I mean? When you're paying that amount of money for a centre-back, he needs to be able to do it in the big games. Unfortunately, here he hasn't. Um, you know, so games like that, yes, yeah, so they would maybe rather have Balogun or whatever. And that's not me saying as well that John Suter's the answer because, you know, that guy's made an enormous amount of errors. And as much as I do like John sutter as well, we just... You know, I said yesterday as well. I prefer the partnership of Goldson and Sutter to Goldson and Davies, but marginally, which isn't a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose Davies did do okay yesterday. Um, yeah.
1: So I, you know, I like the natural Goldson balance of him. having a lefty beside Goldson. It'll be interesting. I know we'll come on and talking about Batiste, but it'll be interesting to see after Ben Davies had a good game albeit it was against a very poor St Johnston, whether he'll keep his place in the team or whether John Sutter will be restored alongside the uh, Goldson. But there was another couple of things to call it as well. So, obviously, uh, Michael Beale made a big deal at the end of last season about judging him on the players that... You know, judging him on the team when it's his players. Um, interestingly, after a, a summer recruitment of a total of nine players, we only had three in our starting 11 um, yesterday, and one of them was a goalkeeper. Um, and then the other thing, just to call it as well, is that uh, the Cantwell, the, the Cantwell injury is a concern for me. I think it was good to see Lawrence back. Um, that's a huge, a huge boost. Um, but for me, Michael Beale said Cantwell is probably expecting to be out for three, four weeks. His his Instagram post suggested otherwise. It suggested that there's maybe further complications that. Um, they might delay that a little bit longer. And the, the thing that's frustrating for me is I spent a lot of time on the the post pod talking about certain decisions that went against us in the, the Celtic game. And one of the things that did frustrate me was that challenge from Maeda on Cantwell in the box, which I think was a um, was a penalty all day long. But again, it's another one of these um, one of these challenges that goes unpunished, that goes unspoken about, that's actually caused pretty um, significant damage to one of our players so um, we wish Todd Kentwell a, a speedy recovery as well.
0: We're certainly doing uh you know, not just from a footballing point of view, I want him back as soon as possible. But if we're gonna be spending the next three or four weeks watching him post and Twitter about American XL Billy Dugs, then please, please, Todd, come back as soon as possible. I can't have you arguing with Celtic mods on the internet. As much as it is entertaining, please just come back <laughs> for injury, mate. Um, Grant, obviously it's your debut in the show. Um Dougie's yeah. touched on a few points there. What was um, your overall take for for the game yesterday?
2: Yeah, when I, when I seen the starting lineup, um I was pleasantly surprised to see um, Yelmaz and Terello. Um Tonello was our marquee summer signing, £5-6 million pounds, and I've he's, he's not no, no, no seen him really. Um, that was his first starting six games and Yelmaz as well, I've not seen much of him. Um, big money spent on him last year so I was glad to see them both in the starting lineup. Um As Dougie said, 4-2-3-1 was pretty obvious but it was strange. As, he, as as Dougie said, strange having Tom Lawrence on the left and Lambers on the right. They just that's not their position. They're both number tens. It just didn't it didn't really work for me. Um, the first half the first half was a tough watch to be honest with you, Craig. Um, too many s- sideway passes, too many backwards passes. Just slow, slow and pedestrian like. it was very similar to what we've seen prior um, to the international break. Just no real quality at all. Um, the only bit of quality was. Was Tavernier's cross for for Danilo's header? And, I mean, that was a bit. It, it was it was a tough watch, and I found myself actually scrolling through my phone. At bits in the first half. That's how that's how bad it was. Um, second half was better. Um, as Dougie said, see, my started in behind uh, when he moved out to the right hand side. We brought Matondo on for Lammers and we started to show a bit of creativity in the forward the forward line we, um, with uh, Lammers going off and putting Lawrence in the number ten role. You seen it you seen it in the the second goal, the difference it made. Um Raskin won the ball deep in our in our half, releases it quickly to, to Lawrence and he released it first time in Matondo and he's through. I mean two two passes, ten seconds and you're in and goal. That that's a difference. Quite a quick pass. St Johnson can't can't set himself and it's it's two nil and it's game over. So just just the first half was so lethargic and just were to watch. The second half was better when we made the switches and had the natural, natural whip with Matondo on one side and um, Seaman on the other. Um, so I was a, a lot better watch second half and yeah that was basically job job done after that so positives for, for me three points, um, clean sheet and then getting roof 90 minutes as well so yeah job job done but um, not easy in the eye.
0: No but that's the thing these trips to make, <laughs> make Denley Park really are easy in the eye and look I've made my thoughts on Michael Beal quite clear the last few weeks I, you know I don't think he should be the Rangers manager anymore but you know I'm 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 at that stage now where it's quite clear that the board they're going to back him for the, the next block of games anyway. You know we need to get behind the team, behind you know the club, and you know hopefully things can turn on the pitch. But I I do feel that we're at that stage where Michael Bill now is at the point where everyone is going to nitpick every small thing. So like for example, see this whole you know he doesn't know his best his system, blah 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 blah. For Rangers fans, how important are those things really in the cold light of day? Because if we're going into games and winning them, even if it's by one goal and we're playing rubbish, nobody's going to care about which system he's playing or if we are playing nice football or this or the next thing. So I think it's at that point now where, as far as I'm concerned, the only system that I want at Rangers is a system of winning. If you look at the game yesterday in isolation, right, we've created a few decent chances. St Johnson have had zero shots in target. We've had about 70% possession. They never looked one slight scoring. It was a comfortable afternoon. I think it's just the circumstances have maybe allowed us to panic. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, uh, it needs to go to McDermott Park, one by four, five, six goals, so that we can maybe get back inside a wee bit. That was never going to happen. You know, the last couple of times I can remember is beaten. St Johnson by that amount, I think we're under Pedro Cushina. I think we won four nil there. Um which I mean, if that's what we're going on to measure success at McDermott Park, then you know, let me off. And then I think another time we'd actually been our last game in the SPL before we got relegated, we won four nil I think McCulloch or the local scored the hat trick. Um so it's like it's very difficult. I mean you know, you go to McDermott Park, you're expecting a slog. If you get through with the three points, as far as I'm concerned, that's a result. It's going to be the same against a lot of teams this year. That St Johnson team, I think, from what I've seen so far this season, they probably are the worst to in the league. But they went to Celtic Park three or four weeks ago, stuck 10 men behind the ball, and Celtic actually hardly created any decent chances against them. They're, they're a solid enough side defensively. Once you get that early goal, but I suppose that is when you're expecting it to, to kick on and get a few more. But I just think we're at, we're at this stage now where it's going to be everything's nitpicked. Even you, Dougie, like you're talking about, you know, Michael Beale saying he's playing, he's starting 11. And people, eh, sorry, he's the best 11, the strongest 11. People will jump on that. I said a couple of days ago on Twitter, it's like, I've genuinely stopped listening, listening to Michael Beale during press conferences because, you know, I don't really get anything from it anymore, apart from the injury updates. But even then, it's kind of getting them wrong because I like think you said initially national account was out for three or four games, and then it turned out to be three or four weeks. So you know, we'll only see what happens with that one. But you know, at the end of the day, it's three points. It's job done. It's a clean sheet. You know, it was it was comfortable, and you know, we need to we need to try and look at the positives.
1: We do, we do. I, I think, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think if we, um, if we, if we were top of the league and we were in good form, I think everyone would be coming away from yesterday's game thinking jobs are good in uh, another comfortable victory, three points in the bag, um, and everyone's happy. But I think the reality is after after the PSV game, after the Old Firm game, we're looking for a reaction. For me, it wasn't about a four-five-nil um, victory up at Mcdermott Park. For me it was about seeing signs of some kind of improvement yeah. and I think as Grant touched on first half was just after after Danilo um, got his goal after he, his injury it just all just fell very flat and actually you know Big Alex I love him his, his uh, immediate post-match reaction video was brilliant he just described his bit from nah. there and, and that's how it was it was just one of those games it was just nah. all right cool that's it done you move on three points in the bag when I think a lot of people wanted to just see a big reaction, uh, and we just didn't get the big reaction. Um, listen, I'll I'll take comfortable two 0 one 0 victories if if they lead us to success this season. Um, I, I, I suppose right now it's just that that lack of belief that that's what we're going to get. I think I think everyone is judging Michael Beale right now. I think I think a lot of people have already uh-huh. made their minds up on Michael Beale right now. And, um, i tell you what, it's going to be a tough ask for him um, to turn those opinions round. But whilst he is Rangers manager, he gets my full backing and the players get my full backing because I don't care who's in charge. I just want to see Rangers win games and win trophies.
0: No, exactly. I mean, Grant, it's, it's one of those things where, like, it's comfortable. It's a clean sheet you know, when it would win at the German Park. And, and like I say, you know, for me... The reaction that I want isn't so much a reaction at McDermott Park. The reaction I want is to see this team going on a four, five, six, seven, you know, at least league games in a row, and and get win after win after win after win, build momentum. Because as much as things are bad just now, right, always try and look at the positives. If we can go into December, you know, and but we'll maybe claw the gap back in Celtic a wee bit before we go to Celtic Park, we could have the league cup in the uh, the league cup in the bag. Um, you know, for through in the Europa League group. I think most people would have taken that at the start of the season. To be fair, I always think that as long as you're in the mix, come the, the split, obviously the Cups not, that will take care of itself. But in terms of the league, for me, as long as you're still in the mix, maybe if you're behind by a point at most, as long as you're still in the mix, then it's, it's okay because it's in your own hands. If you win those last five games, you can win the league. And... You know i know we've all been really negative the last couple of weeks and rightfully so i've been really negative as well but you know the games are back and for me it's you now just a case of this team trying to call up victory after victory after victory now.
2: yeah well that's the thing i mean the old firm result has caused these problems really has not it Um we'd all we take if they'd won the old firm game we wouldn't be really talking about this just now would we the, the, the performance oh. yesterday we would take another 33 2-0 terrible games to win the league, wouldn't we? I would take it. But the damage was done two weeks ago. The, the manner of the performance was done. The damage was done. I watched your podcast and you, was, you were both spot on. It was just, it wasn't great. And um, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a good run now. I think is it five at the next seven or at home in the league. So, and Celtic are away to Hibbs Hearts as well. So there is scope there to go on a run. But this is the problem, Craig. We seem to go on a run and then it comes to the big game at the end of the year, and we, we seem to fall flat in our face time and time again. So, yeah, we've been going around and beat these teams, but the proof's sitting in the pudding in the big games. We don't seem to do it. We've done it time and time again the PSV won, and the Celtic one within a week. So, yeah, we, we, can, we can claw the points back, and you're probably right, but we could have a, a trophy in the Cabaret, but is that going to save his job? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said that on Friday. I went, you know the real sort a big game as such. We don't really have one until that Old Firm game. And I, You know, I, I mentioned this to Stuart. Stuart did say the European games are big. And of course they are. But I, when I say big, I mean big as in ones that will determine whether Michael Beal stays or not. Because, you know, if we can manage to get through this Europa League group, second place, cool, job done. Um, but it's not going to make me say, oh, I should stay as a manager because we finished second in the Europa League group. Um, but... You know, it's a weird one, um, but we'll just need to wait and see. Dougie, once you speak about Yelmaz briefly, um, really strange situation with this guy. Um, you think one minute the manager doesn't fancy him, then he's starting on the next day. Um, I really don't know what to make of not just him as a player, but his position at Ibrox. I mean, I thought he was okay yesterday, probably got pass marks, he was relatively comfortable. One thing that I noticed, and I'm sure everyone did on Twitter, was the amount of space the guy was in time and time again. And it just seemed like the players refused to pass the bottom. You were feeling quite sorry for him at times. Um, I think John Lundstrom actually at one point had a go at, at Connor Goldson for just continuously passing the ball out to Tavernier, and nobody was giving it to Elmaz in, in that space. What of um, what did you make of his performance in his overall sort of scenario at the club now. In it.
1: Um, do you know, I don't want to write anybody off because um, I said a lot of things about Robin Matondo last year, and Robin Matondo's currently making me eat my words, and I'm I'm delighted that he is. Um, I I seen a bit of, a, a chat there in the in, in the uh, the thread there about Rabbi Matondo's performance and, and he was excellent when he came came on and um, I don't want to digress too much but one of the things that I just really like about Matondo is his, his pace and his direct. Mm. His direct uh, elements of his game, it, no surprise that we looked a lot better when we had pace in those wide positions. I think that's what you don't get when you've got the likes of um, Lawrence there. So I much prefer seeing guys that have got, got pace but ball carrying ability there as well. But because of that resurgence, that resurrection from from uh, Matondo, I don't want to write Yilmaz off too much. I just think the noises from within the club are a little bit different. Uh, I think I'd said a couple of times the WhatsApp that that the rumor was that Michael Beal did rape Matondo. He did see something in Matondo, whereas all the noises coming out about Yilmaz are just not very positive. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's um, his height. He is a defender um you know you, you had a lot of noise about sterling when he signed about you know he likes to defend first and foremost and then go forward as, as a secondary element to his game Yilmaz is a bit small he's a bit weak um, i don't think he is that commanding um defender but i don't think borna barisic is either but i also just don't know if yilmaz plays to the system that um that michael Beale wants him to uh, you see it with have particularly in that first goal we do get our width from our fullbacks and and it was a lovely goal. Um but it was to have once again a right back that's in that position to, to make the assist. Um I didn't see that a lot from 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 Mats, but I think you're spot on in terms of it was very evident the play wasn't being been been passed out to to Mats. And that's actually in my opinion, not a Yomats thing. That's been consistent all season. There was a game and I can't remember what one it was, but there was a, a pass map shown um, of how many times the ball was played right as opposed to left to Barisic, and it was it was ridiculous how many times the ball was getting played out to towards Tav. And at the time, I'd kind of called out around a lack of confidence in in Barisic, and you know I suppose that's potentially where we're going with with the chat around Yilmaz year. But I actually just wonder if 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 that's a wee bit too much influence from Tav. Now you see it. Pathetically with throw-ins, I, I, the, the throw-in bit really, really infuriates me that Tav has to take the throw-ins, albeit I think that's probably our manager's instruction there. But I just think we're playing it too, you know, we're going to Tav too often and it becomes very predictable. And actually they got to the points in the game where they were just leaving mats, um and, and moving over towards Tav's side. So um, it was evident, I'm not sure how much of that was on Yilmaz. Um, obviously he's he's um, he's not in the European squad so he won't feature on Thursday so expect Barisic to come back in again but um, it will be interesting to see when Yilmaz gets back into the squad I do suspect that he was brought in because Barisic was away on international duty um, I expect Barisic obviously to come back in on Thursday and expect Barisic to keep the keep the jersey beyond Yilmaz needs to do a lot more if he's going to try and take that jersey off of Barisic in my opinion
0: Yeah, weirdly Borna Baris has managed to have a miraculous recovery, um, in time for an international duty with Croatia. Well, like, he seems to do quite often, but yeah, I digress. Grant, um, obviously you you mentioned Daniel Ela, um, his injury, which we'll come on to. But first of all, I want to just talk about him. You know, his performance for you know, what like the twenty odd minutes he was on. Not just that, but that season so far, he's looked very very lively. Um, at we TJ still after he scored the goal, well done to Danilo for being the only striker this season to actually gamble. So how many times have we seen, and you know, Dessler's has been the biggest culprit of this, whether that's his fault or the manager's fault for maybe playing him out of position, but the amount of balls that have been played into the box and you're thinking just, Gamble, just gamble. Go make her undo something. Try and get your foot in your head and just see what happens. The sad irony is, Danilo becomes the first striker to take a gamble this season. Do no, you know why Dessler's isn't doing it? Because the guy took an absolute belter um, to the head. It was a, it was a soul one. I mean, I, I say we shouldn't speculate. Let's face it, that's all we're going to do here: is speculate until we've got you know any evidence of of what's happening. Um, it does look a soul one. I'm hopeful that it's not bad because he was trying to stay on and stuff like that. But then you've seen Mark Waller just like, nah, mate, you're coming off, and then obviously you've seen the marks to his face which look really bad. Um I think is it a fractured cheekbone or something like that that Michael Beale said he might have? You know, I don't want to find people, but I think a player for Aston Villa had one of them and he was out for two or three weeks. This is about four or five years ago. But then I seen another player um, from a couple of years ago, was out for four or five months with it. So it really, it really just depends. It could be a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Fingers crossed, it's just a couple of weeks that he's out for, and and hopefully he can be back um, five and soon.
2: Yeah, well, when we were linked with him in the summer, um, I was looking obviously certain videos of him, seeing what it was all about. I didn't really know much about him, but he, when he's played with Rangers, he's he's looked sharp. He's looked good. He does he does gamble. Number nine does gamble, um, so I was glad to see him in the starting lineup yesterday it took his goal well. But yeah, it's all right. So one he's taken, um, and I think they're going to be uh, surgery last night or was it yesterday? I think, Last night. Um, so he obviously can keep himself fit because it's not a, an injury um, to stop him doing that, maybe make make, uh, make him wear a mask in a couple of weeks. But it looks like a, a couple of months. I would think. But looking at that, um, maybe after the next international break we'll see him back. But no, I, I like the look of him so far. Um, he links up play, he, he does gamble, and he scored a couple of goals now with minimum minute, minimum minutes. So, yeah, I want, I want to see more of him. But now this is obviously a massive blow to lose him well, after, what, 16, 17 minutes yesterday? So, um, yeah, speedy recovery, hopefully, back soon.
0: Hopefully. I mean, there's a lot of money he cost to you, obviously, between that five and six million quid range. And he has looked sharp, like Grant said, every time he's came on, you know. I never understood the first game of the season Why we started Dessers over Danilo When Dessers, you know Himself admitted that he wasn't fit Danilo had had a great pre-season with final. We seen the goals it was scoring And everybody's commenting on finals Twitter Like, you know, stop playing friendlies for finals, Come to Ibrox <laughs> But it's just a I look into it It's like, as soon as a player Comes into form You know, he, he gets injured It's just like, when when is this going to end for us?
1: It was a real shame for him because he's wanted that chance for a long time. Dessers has is, no. is, is held the jersey. He's on he's he's just not impressed by Dessers. Um Danilo finally got his, his chance and um I I've got to be honest, he impressed. Um one of the things that I was worried about Danilo was his inability to 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 hold the ball up, to lead the line. Um I expected more from Dessers in that regard because he is a he is a unit. Um, but we don't see Dessers holding it up the way that Morelos um, that did last season and beyond as well. But Danilo probably um, showed you what he's capable of with that goal. You know, he might not be the tallest player in the park, but he's he's brave um, and he's, he's more than capable. Um, as Grant said, he, he seems to be that kind of player that's, that's, that's in the right place at the right time, likes to get into the box. Um, it was a brave header. Um, the the best thing about Danilo for me is that he he had a fractured cheekbone compound fracture but yet he wanted to carry on playing (laughs) Um, and I think that tells you a lot about him I think he's the type of guy that's going to want to play for us and want to impress and and as Grant said it's you know it's the first thing you've seen that commitment from one of our new signings I think Dessers could be sitting there watching and, and learning something from him but I did think it was quite telling that Danilo when he was subbed it was Sima that came on for him and Dessler stayed on the bench it'll be really interesting to see does Dessler actually feature against Batista on Thursday night
0: yeah and that's a good segue um to talk about um Betis on Thursday night thanks very much Dougie um for that doing my job firmly. me um granted, I'll come to you first with it look it is a big game um you know but at the same time it's one of those ones where it, it kind of reminds me of that. Remember when we got beat off Malmo and we got threw off from Alex shirt and then we played Leon. I think, the first game of the, the group and they were going to be the toughest game of the group. Um, obviously, Betts are going to be our toughest game of the group and I remember that going to that game and the atmosphere was really flat. It wasn't, you know, what we'd seen in the Europa League games the last couple of seasons. Leon were pretty comfortable 1-2 now. I've got a bad feeling that that could happen again on Thursday. Um, first thing I want to touch on is, you know, ticket sales. Um, you know, I I will be there on Thursday, but you know, looking online, it doesn't look as if these free match packages are selling well. Um, certainly not as good as they have been in the last few years. I mean, I, I still reckon we'll probably get about forty five thousand on Thursday, but. You know, you've been getting high attendances at Ibrox for the last few years, even in Cup games. I think a large part of that's got to do with the sort <clears> of majors <managers throat> trap that the club have gotten people where it's like if you're no going to, if you're not buying a ticket for a home game against Partick Fuss in the Cup, you're not getting the points that could affect you for going to Hamden, getting away European games and stuff like that. But but even that's not convincing people to buy tickets for you know, what is a big European night at Ibrox kinda tells you that something's the matter. Whether it's the pricing, whether it's the fact that people don't want to be in the Europe League and they want to be in the Champions League. And I think that's the biggest part to be honest, because I think if that's a Champions League game that we are playing in Tuesday, or Wednesday at Ibrox, the game sold out two weeks ago. Um so so much for your um your whole like I uh, would rather be in the Europe League so we can get an extended run. Clearly if the tickets are selling for these games think the fans have, have really only made up their minds in that but what's your thoughts in that situation first grunt yeah i guess maybe a combination
2: of all of them and um, we mentioned there europa league thursday night the pricing and maybe the way we're playing just now as well um mm. it's not been great to watch it's not great to watch you really want to go and spend around 130 pound to to watch to watch what we've been watching um yeah for me I've always thought this, Europe's a bonus. Like, your bed and butter's are domestic and I want to do well in domestic. Yeah, we need the the money from from Europe. Um, it does impact us financially, but it's a bonus for me. Um, playing Betis, obviously, probably the, be- be- the better team in the group. They finished sixth last year in the Liga, so they're no mugs. They're, they're clearly no mugs. They've got some, some right good players in Isco and Bellerin and Perez, um, The manager, Pellegrini, So, I mean, they're, they're littered with top-class players. So, It'll be a tough game, make no mistake about it. But if we want to, if you're serious, we get out of this group. This is the kind of games we need to win. Simple as yeah. that, It'll, especially at home. You've got to take the three points. Um, Betis haven't had a great start to this season. I've seen they get murdered 5 0 um, off Barcelona. Um, I yeah. suppose they can do it to anybody, mind you. But uh, yeah, they've not a great start. I think they're, they're 15 or 16 just now, five points within five games. So not in a great run themselves. But again, you see these European teams coming to Ibrooks and playing us off the park. They're always technically good, quick. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but it's the kind of games we need to win, we need to win, we need to win on Thursday for after what, to progression in the group, first or second.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think mostly for um, just momentum as well. Um, I think I win. To be fair, I think if you even if you do lose the games we bet, it's, you know you can still do it playing against Sparta Prague. But I mean, if you start the game, uh, the group sorry we well, are winning Thursday, you know you're beating the, the team that's you know more than likely going to challenge you to top the group you're putting yourself in a great position if you win your home games you'll go through so you know focus on doing that try and get a couple of results away from home and we can see what we can do Okay, Grant touched on there that's an interesting point and I kind of mentioned it in the agenda he's talking about all oh, Europe's you know maybe a bonus I don't necessarily see it like that I think you now I, I want to see Rangers try and do the best they can in Europe but one thing that I've always found interesting with this whole or I would rather be in the Europa League than Champions League is, for a start, the assumption that we'll somehow just automatically get to the final, like we did a couple of seasons ago. It's like, I'd rather, get, I'd rather be in the Europa League because like, we'll get to the final, we'll play in Dublin and all that and then Ryan Errol stick the fights up to like £1,000 to go across the Irish Sea. It's like Does it work like that? The Europa League's a very, very tough competition. It seems to be getting tougher each year. Look, the run into the final was obviously great a couple of years ago, but we need to remember that was like a once in a generation occurrence. I think realistically we can aim for, you know, the last 16, maybe even the quarterfinals in a sort of season-by-season season basis, but I mentioned it, um, I think it was before the Soviet game or after the Soviet game. Um, normally, history tells you, when you have an extended run in the Europa League or the UEFA Cup, you don't go on and win the league. One thing that concerns me is that You know, yesterday I signed. The six games that we are going to be playing in Europe. Celtic are going to be playing on the Saturday. And we are going to be playing on the Sunday. They're already four points ahead of us. So, this Saturday, actually, um, they're away to Livingston will be a tough game. But by three o'clock on Saturday, they could be seven points clear. And then we're going into a game in Mullerwell on Sunday. We must win it at that point. You know, obviously it's a must win anyway, but it becomes an even bigger must win. So, how, how do you find the balance with that in terms of you know having a good European run, but trying it not to affect your, your domestic form as well?
1: I think in the debate of Champions League versus Europa League, Chris Boyd summed it up absolutely perfectly. I can't remember. It must have been after the Celtic game because it, it was something I wasn't watching and only kind of caught the clips of it um, afterwards. At Rangers, we, we, we're we a Champions League club. Um, we should be aiming for the, for the top, we shouldn't be set, settling for second best. Um I, I just think the fear of what happened to his last season is still very raw in a lot of people's minds. Um we were on the receiving end of some very, very big defeats. And I think the gulf is just getting bigger between your elite clubs and the Champions League and, and everyone else that's fighting for um, for those wee spaces to get into the the group stages. Um but I think if we are gonna to want to be serious about progression year on year. You need to keep qualifying for the Champions League because you need the money from the Champions League. Because as you said, Craig, the money that we got um the season, you know, two seasons ago when we got to the final, that's not the norm. That's because we got to a European final. So so let's not make that the norm from a finance perspective. In terms of the balance between um Europe and, and domestic, I think we've got to be ambitious. You know, at a club like Rangers, you can't just say um our target this year is to win the league. I think there needs to be be multiple targets. And for me, every single target, every single year should be you win the league, you win a cup, and you qualify for Europe post-Christmas. And I think we're in a brilliant position for, for all three, even still. Um, from a league perspective, Celtic are of the League Cup. We do have a favourable draw at the moment. It's it's in our hands to now go and win that cup. If we don't win that cup, there's going to be a lot of fingers being pointed at Michael for, for for not going on and finishing the job. From a European perspective, obviously, we've dropped down to the Europa League, but we were pot one. Um, We are in a a group um, where third place, as a minimum, gets you into the Conference League, which would take you into um, post-Christmas European football. I think that should be the absolute bare minimum, albeit I'm with Grant. I think if we start strong against Batiste, um, we should be looking for for qualification into the the next round of the, the Europa League. But from a league perspective, and, and to your point, there, Celtic have the same challenge as us. They're also in Europe. They're also playing um, domestic football. Yes, they're playing on a Saturday. Um, that is an advantage. I'm not going to lie. That's something I didn't want us to to, to hand them. Um, but they've got a really, really tough run of games. You know, you look ahead to this weekend, Levy, at home, eh, Levy away. That's a tough game. Um, Grant's touched on it already. They're, they're having to go to, to Edinburgh a couple of times um, over the next period as well. Um, they've got some tough games. I think I think there'll be points won and lost between now and the next international break, and um, particularly in the, the the east side of the city. I think the, the the focus must be on ourselves. We we can't hand them any more advantages. We we keep we keep giving ourselves own goals. We keep kicking ourselves. Um, we should be we should be aiming for maximum points in the league, and and sitting comfortably in in Europe. Um, by the time the next international break comes and that needs to be the target. You know, I spoke a lot in the the, the podcast before the international break after the old firm game about about Callum McGregor in the press conference. Just that different mentality that he had to to our captain. One of the things that he kept saying was um they were setting setting short-term objectives and one of his objectives um going into the Rangers game is about finishing this 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 period strong going into the international break on a, on, a, on a high, that needs to be our aim now. We need to be focus on, focusing on the period of games between now and the next international break, and we need to set ourselves up for success.
0: We absolutely do, and, you know, the Euro, Europa League has been a good competition for the last couple of years, but I just think now that I'm at that point anyway, But. we're I'm just kind of fed up of it. Now, that's not me saying that if we go on an extended run, I'd be absolutely gutted. I wouldn't. I'd really like that, and that's what we should be because we're in the competition now. I want us to go on and do the best that we can do it. I've got to admit, Dougie, I don't think I could deal with a conference league um, because I actually, I, I genuinely think that we would have a decent chance of going on a, a really good run there. And that actually sounds like kind of oh, productive as if I'm saying that I don't want us to go far in a European competition and get to a final, or whatever. I mean, look, if we drop into it, I want us to win it, obviously. But, you know, if we can get through the Europa League group, one thing that finishing first in this group actually does do, and it can help your domestic form, is that it automatically propels you into the last 16. So we've seen as finished second a couple of years ago, um, you need to play a playoff round, which you did against Dortmund. Um, and you're playing against a team that's came at the Champions League to get into the last 16. So... If we can somehow finish first, which I don't think it's with the realms of possibility. I mean, you've seen Hector Bellerin's interview um, the last couple of days. He's been talking us up, you know, this, that, and the next thing. He's saying that, you know, we're the team that everybody in the group wants to be, which is, you know, fair enough. Um, when they say that in a current form, but, you know, thanks very much, Hector. Nice guy. Um, but look, if we can finish first, then... We give ourselves two less games to play, and we did see. Although the league was won before getting to the Europa League final in 2022, you did see the amount of times after a Thursday we were dropping points in the league, dropping points in the league. I think that Motherwell game was uh, the biggest one. We were two and a half at half time, and then you know, we just the roof caved in and ended up drawing two each. you know, but we've got a chance here to progress, go as far as we can, um, pick up prize money, which we didn't do last year. Um, so, you know, I think I win in the Europa League about a million quid. draws draw is maybe half a million off the top of my head. So, there's prize money to be won there. Um, you know, as about rubbish you not know, being in the Champions League, but you know, we've been given our consolation prize, and we've we'll, we'll just got to go on my foot. Grant, in terms of the team um, on Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on Lawrence and Roof. Um yeah. They obviously played First full 90 minutes in A very, very long time Lawrence is certainly in over a year Kamal Roof must be his first 90 minutes and Maybe even longer than that um, They're both in the European squad I would like to see them play But the cynic in me says If they're played a full 90 minutes On Saturday They're definitely not going to play a full 90 minutes on Thursday um, The thing is I I will say, again, I thought we were okay on Saturday. It was pretty comfortable. And we do want to get into our on our games where we're going in one and one and one getting into a rhythm. I think the problem with that is on Thursday, you're probably going to see four or five changes again. So you've got Jack there. You've got Sufuentes who's not been getting a look in recently. Does he stick with Lundström and Raskin, who done really well on Saturday? Does he bring Jack back in for Lundström? Um, does of still stay in the team? I think Lammers p- still probably will be in the team. Um, just because I think we can't Mills' injury, you've not really get that many other players who can play that position. I think maybe Lawrence would, but because it has injury concerns, I think Lawrence is probably a, a stick on to start. While Come coming, Will Seymour coming, it's it's going to be a tough one. But you know we've got we've got the squad to, for there now. How how do you see the the lineup going? Yeah, I just can't see him playing roofing
2: Lawrence. Um, after playing ninety minutes or ninety five minutes, at the weekend, I just don't know. If they can take it, their bodies can take it and then play again on Saturday or Sunday. Um, I think you'll see Dessers come back in. I think it's a stick on, didn't play at all um, at the weekend. I think it's a stick on to stick him back in. And then I think Seymour Matondo comes in just for pace on the counter attack. He, he did it um, in the previous round as well, in PSV, just, just for, for for sheer pace. So I would be surprised to see Matondo or Seymour or both at either side of Dessers. I'm not sure. Lammers. I don't know. I just I'm not really seen much from Lammers since he's been here. Um again, not got like a lot of minutes, but where's he, where's his best position? Is it number ten? It's certainly no wide right for me where he, he was at the weekend. Yeah. Um Sifuentes, another one, he he's he's match fit, he was obviously playing for LA. He's not really done much either, has he? He's been in and out of the team. So I don't I don't really know. I don't know what the team's gonna be, to be honest with you. Um I don't know. Um but I just I don't see Ruth Ruth and Lawrence both starting the enemy. Anyway. Aye, just
0: an injury record aye, I can't really see it. I mean Dougie obviously I think one thing we're all for sure is that Warner Barris is obviously going to come back And do you think he'll he'll do what he done against Andre and maybe play John McLaughlin for uh, the first half and then play Robbie McCrory in the second half or... <laughs> do you think that's a <laughs>
1: I'm actually surprised John McLaughlin still Rangers just playing. I hope to never hear the name again. But that's 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 a is different he,
0: matter. One thing you notice know is John McLaughlin class as a home homegrown player.
1: No, that's why he's not in the European squad.
0: Right. All oh, right. Okay. So it's Kieran Wright, I Take it's Kieran Wright, it's him instead of him.
1: Aye. Okay. Aye. That's a three. But see, see in so terms that, of the point really around. around no. But Butland's a very good goalie. Let's let's, no, let's be honest. He's, he's, I'm, only, he's,
0: I'm only, to the audience at home, I'm only joking. Jack Button has been our best player this season, so we should have played okay on Thursday.
1: But he's 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 the one signing that's really hit the ground running. touch Um everyone else, you know, just a reminder, you know, Michael Beale chased Lammers and Dessels. They were his two big priority signings. And and, and so far they've they've really underwhelmed and we're talking about Lawrence and Ruth and whether they, they, they retain their place. I'm of the mindset that um, they will play. I think the reason why they will play is um, the alternatives are just not good enough. Sam Lammers and Cyril Dessers have just not been good enough for Rangers and they don't deserve to start. But I do think it comes with the counterpoint, which is um, both players have just returned from from very lengthy and serious injuries. We cannot push them too hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a manager's job at stake here. Michael Beale will know his job is at stake here. And, and to Michael Beale, he will pick the best players available to him that keeps him in a job. And does he trust Sam Lammers and Serial Dessers to to, 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 um, to shoot his, his team to success? I'm not sure. You know, Grant was talking about um, the the Batiste team. There's a lot of familiar names in there. Um, there's a, a, a bit of talk about injuries, I think. Neville Fakir is obviously one of the key players. I think he's injured. But one of the key things that I'd read recently was their, their goalie situation. Um they've got um two first choice keepers, one of them's Claudio Bravo. Um I have tried to see must be fifty now. He's forty. Rui Silva. So you Rui Silva, who's a number one at twenty nine, you've got Claudio Bravo who's who's forty. You know, it's a ripe old age. We've all seen it with Alan McGregor last year. Um but there's talk that both players are are, are not fit and uh, they might have to draft in a third-choice goalkeeper. That's where they're then weak. That's where they're then exposed. But you need to have players that are capable of of shooting and of finishing, and that's where I just don't have confidence in in Lammers and Dessers. So for me, riffin Lawrence start, I think Seema, Seema impressed me. Um, I actually think there's a player in Seema. You know? um, he's, he's a player, a bit like what Grant was saying earlier on about Danilo, he's not had a lot of game time. I think Sema is going to be a decent enough player for us. Um, it's a shame he's on loan. He's not our player. There's not a permanent option there in Seema. Um, but I think we will see Seema and Matondo gradually come into this team. And I think you'll see them kind of fill the wide positions at some point, I hope, because I like their pace. But I think we'll see Sema start with Ruth um, and Lawrence. It's whether we, we start Matondo or whether we bring Matondo on later in the game because... You know, as an argument to start Matondo, we did start him against PSV, and I actually think, in hindsight, would have been better bringing him off the bench when when PSV started to tire, started to open up a wee bit more. So I wouldn't start Matondo, um, but it'll be interesting to see the starting eleven. I've got I've got an idea in my head of of, of what we'll play, um, but I'm a bit like Grant just now. Um, it's not easy to predict our starting elevens, and and a mm. big part of that is 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 one. It's a it's the form of our players. And two, it's it's how poor our, our summer recruitment has been so far. I don't want to write anyone off yet. Um, but I look at the starting 11 that I've got written down. And, and other than, than Butland, controversially, I think, you know, all the noises about how it's an exciting summer and Michael Beale wanted to be judged on, on his team. Looking at that starting 11, I think it's weaker than last year. And, and that's saying something.
0: It definitely is. I think this will be our 10th for 11th game of the season. And it's already going to be guaranteed that it's going to be the 10th for 11th game in a row whatever number it is, I'm not going to have played the same starting 11 back to back and I will genuinely be shocked if we play the same starting 11, two games in a row at least up until Christmas just because we're going to have pretty much two games a week until then whether that's Europe, League, Cup blah blah blah, blah um, I'll be shocked if we play the two starting 11s um, you know it will probably be until the new year if, if we even manage to do that Which will be incredible Um, But here's hoping that he somehow Finds a, a way to make it work I liked your point there in um in get just before we finish up Because I know what you mean when you say oh, There's a player in there, it kind of reminds me of Sakala In that aspect where it's like a, a bit of, I wouldn't say he was Quite as chaotic as Sakala But you know I don't think anybody's quite as Chaotic as Sakala but you look at seeming. You think, what are you doing? Sometimes, and then other times, you can turn it on. He scored what two, two? I think two goals. Um, Levy and um, PSV. The PSV goal was a cracking finish, which I didn't think the guy had in him. Um, but, but you know, he's he's a. I think a joint second scorer anyway. Um, my third scorer. So, he's doing better than most of the other attacking players anyway. So the likes of Diesel that we signed for five million quid. He scored the same amount of goals as him. He scored more goals than Lammers who was bought for three and a half million quid. So, you know, is definitely not the worst of him so far.
1: Do you know, Craig? I think he was unlucky not to get an assist at the weekend as well. D- dare I dare I get into yeah. a conversation about about decisions by officials and and VAR? Um, I've not seen the angle that that uh, Frankie was talking about before the show that that, that suggested that he actually was offside. The angle that I've seen and the angle shown on the TV, I think it looks a very controversial offside, and it's just I, I spoke about it before i ball was kicked that we need a bit of luck on our on our side this season, and um, the luck that I was talking about was 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 primarily in the injuries, and um, it's looking like we're not getting that luck right now. I spoke about you know you look at us last season, um, particularly our, our back four, and the amount of times we had to rotate those centre backs because we had injuries, you know. Davies took a while to come in. Stutter got injured against Levy. Golden get his injured against Liverpool. Um I, I kinda spoke about our luck compared to Celtics, where Carter Vickers was, was really reliable. Um that's what I was meaning by luck. I, I wasn't meaning about decisions and so far I just I just look at some of the decisions right now and I scratch my head. That offside one, I'm I'm interested to see that view to see to see the one where seema does look off because it looks controversial. But I think I think tomorrow roof can can feel a little bit hard done by um, not having two goals in his, his last two games because you know dare I bring up the VAR decision um, that went in Celtic's favour with the challenge on Turnbull, I struggle to see the difference between the tackle on Turnbull and and, and the tackle that Dessers put in one went against the Rangers player, one went in the favour the, of the Celtic player I'm not going to try and start any conspiracy theories or anything, all I ask for is, is um, a decent and consistent level of officiating and I, I struggle to see that just now um, in Scottish football and you know dare I even say as well the Danilo header I would even argue that Liam Gordon had absolutely zero chance of winning that header and he's went in to try and put off Danilo I don't think there's any real malice in it but, but by not having a chance of winning that header and going for it he's 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 fractured a, a cheekbone of a player and you know he's entitled to go for it i can't understand why fouls like that challenges like that go away unpunished in scottish football it just encourages it encourages hammer throws and you've seen it for the rest of the game there was there was a, a couple of challenges where St Johnston players were not even looking at the ball they were going they were going straight in on it so um yeah scottish football officials um, need, to, need to go and reflect, I'm not going to go full Paul bottom for, for Sheffield United right now, um, but a bit of self-reflection just now from the officials and um, a bit of consistency wouldn't go amiss.
0: Oh, it would have been great if after we got that goal given for Daniels injury but then also got a penalty, that would have just absolutely set everybody off as well. Um, see the thing, I, I, look, I think with the two fouls, the Celtic penalty and the Desters one, that's people's interpretation of certain rules okay so i can understand both sort of sides of the argument the thing that confuses me mostly about tumble's one yesterday is that the referee never even went to the screen the referee was instructed to give a penalty to celtic now i think there was a game at the start of this season we might have had a goal chopped off for offside i'm not sure um i think it was against livy um at home and i was wondering why the referee never went to his screen to or it might have been like, I can't remember, it was a game at Ibrox anyway, I did not tail in the last season or the start of the last season where we I think it was ball. the Morton
1: game, I think it's the Morton game
0: have, I, can't, I, can't Morton. Am, I can't remember, it wasn't the one that Matondo scored against Celtic but it was like it, it was a relatively close call it was called offside but the referee got it in his ear and he never actually went to the screen, now I was told that for offsides now the referees don't need to go to the screen because with offsides are basically told you're either on or you're off so the referees don't need to waste their time going to the screen fair enough but why they're not doing it for challenges that can be interpreted in certain ways for me is a bit strange the other thing that i think strange is in terms of that actual offside rule and like where these lines are drawn ironically where do you actually draw the line because that's the only angle that you're given of that or the scottish referees are given then we really need to be doing a lot more work to actually get the best out of our in this country. I think you can see it watching games in Sky, the, the way the cameras are at places like St Johnston, you know, Ross County and stuff like that. Sometimes it does genuinely feel like you're watching a juniors game on the telly. And I'm meaning that with the greatest of respect to these clubs, but it's like you've only maybe got three or four cameras at these small grounds, whereas at Ibrox or Celtic Park, you've got 10 plus. So... You need to have, for me, the same amount of cameras at every ground for the consistency, um. but also as well, offside should be automatic like the way I've got it in the Premier League and in European competitions. So, at the end of the day, the offside is interpreted however that is the guy in the VAR run wants to interpret it. It's not automatic, Um, it's not done um in that way, so... It's always going to be up for question in Scotland, unfortunately, until such times as we we automate it. Janet, if you get any sort of harsh spots on on the decision, yeah, I
2: just I was, I was watching the Arsenal game earlier on and there was one very similar as ah, well. The lines. and I'm looking at going, how is that offside? I just I just don't get it. I really don't. So, as Dougie said, consistency—that's all we want. Um, the Ders one and the Celtic one is very very similar. I don't I don't. Get how one can go one way and then one's the other way. But um yeah, I'm not gonna go back into that again. <laughs> that again, I've talked about it talked about too much. But um, no nah, as I said, good win, job done.
0: Um, move on to Thursday, that's it. Exactly. Um so before we go then we'll get your predictions, Dougie, what are you going for? 2-0, Batiste. <laughs>
1: that's
0: just <laughs> <laughs> but but Al Batisse. We're having to go to work tomorrow and you're you're saying that.
1: Um do you know, like we we obviously kinda of spoke about the game earlier on and, and spoke spoke about our chances. I think Batista are a good team. Let's not let's not make any uh, mistakes about it. They might be having a, a poor run just now. They finished sixth in La Liga last year. They've got a, a very experienced manager who's managed a number of clubs. He's managed Man City, Real Madrid. They've got a good team, they've got a good manager. It'll be a tough game, but um do you know? See, see. Despite the current ticket sales for the game, I'm looking forward to the game. I wasn't looking forward to St Johnston because I just feel a wee bit underwhelmed by Rangers just now. But a wee bit uh, different to you. you. Like, I, I get myself for the European. I'm looking to finish. Maybe a few beautiful books. Uh, you know not you like we're in the famous books? The is always full. Uh, we'll go oh.
0: um. well I, I wonder if the audience at home had the same difficulties hearing what Dig do Dougie mm-hmm. done what he done a couple of weeks ago after the cell game and just started to sound like a like again. I'm just glad it's happened at the end of the podcast and so not halfway through it. I think you said we're gonna win five now, so we'll, we'll take that anyway. Grant, um what's your prediction for the game? <laughs>
2: you know, nice eye books and European Knights are different, aren't they? We've beat a better team. Uh, sorry, we drew a better team in PSV at home. I don't see why we can't do the job at home against Betis. So, I'll, I'll take a 2-1 win for, for Rangers.
0: Aye, I think we'll win as well. I'll go 2-0. But, um, we'll finish up there. Ladies and gentlemen, I thanks through, very but, much. But, reference, I
2: reference
1: because uh, I did sound uh, like a Dalek.
0: But, but yeah. I'm, I'm for a victory. Ah, well, I, I think it's fine then. Aye. As long as it's not to Betis and it's a Rangers win, that's fine. But, no, no. Um, um, thanks very much to our guests at home um, for joining us tonight. Um, you can catch us tomorrow um, on all of your usual podcast providers such as Spotify, etc. If you've just tuned in recently um, on YouTube, you can also remind it as well to the start at any point and um, listen to us from the beginning of tonight. Um, we will be back um, after the Betis game on Friday um, to preview the Moneywell game and speak about the game on Thursday. Um, with Brian and Stuart, so please join us for that. All that's left to do now is thank right, my guests for coming on. Grant, thanks very much for coming on for your debut, mate. Thanks, enjoyed it. Cheers, guys, for going easy on me. Brilliant. And do get a Dalek. Thanks very much for coming on, mate.
1: Yeah, I've just been called a Dalek, a Klingon, and a Terminator. So, uh, yeah, uh, keep, keep the compliments coming.
0: Uh, do you know what? We've all been called a lot worse. So, if that's the worst that you're getting called on a Sunday night, I'd take it. Um, thanks very much for uh, joining us guys hopefully we can get a one in Thursday and we'll see you next time, bye bye